had if I could share my screen and then they just me. I don't know. We'll see. Should I try that? We can. We're live now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, hi, great. Everybody. I guess we're winging it. We are here. <laughs> We're here. Hi, I'm Lynn, your exact, your, uh, I'm Lynn, your adulting coach. I help autistic young adults and their families systemize adulting together. And it is my pleasure today to um, present with my very good friend and executive function coach, Yulia Rafaelova. Thank you so much, Lynn, for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I'm so excited too. So um, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to answer several questions that have been submitted. And please, please join us on the chat anytime you wish, because I'd really like to hear from you all. And you know what? I'm trying to figure out where the chat went. But anyway, I'll do that while Yuli is answering the first question. <laughs> and that is, what is executive function anyway? Awesome. Well, I found the chat and I see um, participants. So hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. Okay, um, Lynn, I'm going to talk fast and I'm going to draw. And I'm going to... Oh, We're using whiteboard today because the other tech was not working. Okay. So what is executive function? Um, there's, there's many like different ways to define executive function. And what I want to do is kind of just be really practical and uh, look at it from a couple different perspectives. So first, uh, definition is, is very simple. It's like um, our ability to visualize ourselves in the future, uh, getting to some goal, and then being able to visualize that, orienting ourselves and figuring out what steps we're taking in order to move closer to that goal, and, and being able to persist until we achieve it. So that very basically is what we mean when we say, you know, executive function, executing, getting stuff done. Um, and then if we want to go a little deeper into that, there are several functions that our executive brain manages. And these are, uh, you know, neurobiological functions, right? And so um, in someone with ADHD, for example, these functions are delayed in development mm -hmm. and they are asynchronously developing. So some of them might be, um, you know, right where a neurotypical brain is and some of them might be about 30% below. Um, so when we're looking at executive function, we're, we're really talking about this part of our brain that's our prefrontal cortex that's in charge of managing all the things we need to do to move through time and space toward that goal. And so that means um, uh, seeing ahead to the future, future thinking, that's an executive function. Um, being able to understand the concrete steps, uh, organizing the steps and organizing the tools we need and, and managing our time, that's an executive function. Uh, and then persisting through difficulty and boredom that's an executive function, right? Until we can reach that goal. So, um, you know, initiating, self-starting, self-directing, being able to coach ourselves forward. Um, these are all executive functions. That's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but basically it's like 
you know, if, if you think of an executive, think of a CEO. So mm -hmm. a CEO is like the executive of their company and we're all CEOs of ourselves. And that executive part of our brain, that's what we're talking about. Yes, yes. So it's the thing that helps us get things done. Exactly. Okay, all right. So um, the first question we can start out with is, how do I get my child to listen to me? <laughs> so um, <clears throat> this is like the biggest question and I, we wanted to talk about it first, right? Because this is like what we hear from parents and also what I hear from teens, right? So uh, Lynn, can I do a very quick introduction? Absolutely. Um, okay, so <laughs> just super quick. Um, so I, uh, I'm an immigrant. I grew up in, um, like a Russian household where, um, you know, we didn't really understand or talk about like mental health or ADHD or any of that. So I just want, you know, the audience to know where I'm coming from. So I grew up undiagnosed with ADHD, undiagnosed with anxiety, and, um, I really struggled. I really was very scattered. Uh, my mom's nickname for me in Russian meant like, uh, somebody with Alzheimer's, <laughs> Um, because she just um, couldn't figure out why it was so hard for me to do the simplest of things. Like why I kept leaving, you know, if there was a mess on the floor that I made somewhere and she said, go get the broom, right? So she told me, go get the broom and go get the, the scooper and go clean up your mess. And so I would comply. I would go get it and I would start cleaning up. And then some thought would pop into my head and distract me. Mm -hmm. And I would say, oh, I need to go do that. And I'd walk away. And I'd leave the mess. And so like 30 minutes later, my mom's like, what's wrong? <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought I told you to sweep the floor and, and you don't care at all. Right. So there's mm. there's all these mis misconceptions about why this behavior is happening. And so mm -hmm. that's why I'm a passionate advocate um, for kids. Um, <laughs> I see the comments and like Carol saying, that sounds like me. <laughs> uh, so that's why I want to do this work, because it, when we understand the reason why behind this behavior, then we can really help kids to become aware of their behavior. And so um, and so typically I will work with a family now and I don't just work with the child. Um, because what I realized was that it's the whole family system that um, that establishes the environment in the home. And one of the most important things we'll talk about is this language right now. Is It's called declarative language. Um, and that's why we have, I do declare. <laughs> I do declare. So declarative language helps kids like me, right? I'm still a kid, right? <laughs> Come up with some situational awareness so I can... I can look up and say, okay, what am I doing? Oh, what's going on? And then I can make my own decision about what I need to do. Perfect. So had my mom said in that moment, hey, I'm noticing that there's like a big pile of trash in the middle of the living room. <laughs> I would have, I would have probably, you know, I would have been doing whatever I was doing. So if, had she done that and then paused. Pause. The, the pause. Yes. Had, yeah. So had she said that and then paused, it may have taken me like a few moments to to think to myself, oh, did she say something? Oh, okay, what did she say? Oh, big pile of trash, living room. What? Oh, yeah, I was doing something like an hour ago and I did leave a big pile of trash. And then my executive brain would um, imagine myself in the future 
you know, going to get the broom and, and going to clean it up. And I would have that self-directed action. And I would say, oh, mm. I, I, I'm going to go get the broom and I'm going to go clean it up. So my executive function went into making that decision for myself. Right. Right. And that's the part of the definition of executive function, too. It's like I decided to do that. And in that moment, um, that would have helped me to build my executive function brain. And by the way, Lynn, a really important concept um, when we talk about um, ADHD is that our executive age, um, that's a really important concept to understand. So um, if you have a 15-year-old, for example, their development is about 30% behind in their executive function. And this continues to grow. Your brain continues to grow until your mid to late 20s. So, you know, eventually uh, we catch up. But there's still some lagging skills that we need to really, really be conscious about building. So if your kid's 15, they're really like 12. And, and that's really important because you would have different expectations of a 12-year-old than a 15-year-old. And that doesn't mean parents should like be super permissive and lower their expectations. But it means you need to adjust and see what your kid is capable of. And then you can use you know, conversation and communication, this type of language, declarative language, to help them become more and more and more aware more often so that they can start to make decisions for themselves. And by the way, that's where self-esteem comes from. That's yep. where competency comes from. Yep. That's where growth comes from is when your kid makes decisions for themselves. And there's an important assumption that parents need to have in those moments, especially the most chaotic moments, which is my kid wants to do well. My kid does care deeply about getting along and they do care deeply about being good. We'll put that in quotes, right? Because there's a moral definition of good, but they, your kid's very much want to be competent. And when we give them an opportunity to think and decide and act, even if their decisions aren't great, <laughs> and even if their actions lead to consequences, that's in that struggle is where they build their brain and they build their self-esteem. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so real quick example of declarative language. So um, instead of saying, for example, get your shoes, right? That's an imperative command. We could say, hmm, I'm wondering where your shoes are. And I'll say one more thing before we continue about declarative language, which is um, often kids with ADHD, they're, they're very easily triggered. And uh, when we're triggered, we go into fight flight or freeze, right? And so sometimes even asking a question that kind of demands a response, um, that's triggering. Um, I had a mom ask me or tell me the other day I had a session with her son. And she said, I asked him what you guys talked about today. And he just said, I don't know. And she was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? Right? What, what, what do you mean? And so, <laughs> and so my feedback was, it's not, you know, it's not that we didn't know. It's, it's that that question demands an answer. Mm -hmm. So an imperative mm -hmm. is the opposite of a, of a declarative, which is I'm telling you to do something or I'm demanding the answer to the question. So um, a declarative question is more rhetorical. It, it doesn't demand an answer. It just raises awareness um, in the situation. 
Um, and this is what really helps our executive function. Like, hey, I'm notice all the kids are getting out their lunches, you know, and so it's like the kid looks around and sees everyone getting their lunches, and then he automatically, like his body, <laughs> right? It's not a conscious decision. It's more like, oh, I'm gonna go too, right? So, so everything around us you know, also governs our executive function, the expectations of the environment around us, what's everyone else doing, and we co-regulate yes. with each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that, co-regulate, and the environment too. Um, that's so helpful to keep that in mind, um, that the Did environment- Did we spend way too long, sorry, Lynn, did we spend way too long on this question? Because we have more- Not at all, not at all. Because I think it's, it's giving us the foundation. It's giving us the fundamental, you know, what are we going to build on next? Uh, Carol so, uh, asked a question, what should you do next? So Carol, two things, you use the word should, right? Which is uh, like, like you should do this. So I would definitely steer away from that. And then that question kind of demands an answer. So I would ask you, Carol, to think about what what's a way you can reframe that where you're just building awareness. So it could be like, I wonder what your next step is going to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're just wondering, like your kid doesn't think like, oh, no, I have to figure this out right now. It's like, oh, I wonder. Hmm. And so that language, I wonder. That's a good declarative um, language. Oh, I love that one. I wonder what your next step could be. Because that takes a little bit of the pressure off. Uh, Dan says, I noticed if you say to your son, I noticed my bathtub is dirty, he'd say, that doesn't matter. So uh, anytime I get resistance, right, and we're going to model this out, anytime I get resistance, it's like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. Okay, tell me more about that. You know, usually that first reaction, that's like, uh, it's a no, because that's how our brains are wired. Yes, yes, they resist, right. <laughs> Yeah, we want to conserve our energy above all. <laughs> yeah, don't don't make me do something. <laughs> if you ask my mom, I was born saying no. Okay, I was yeah. like the oppositional kid. I was the tantrum throwing kid, and um, we can't react to that first bit of resistance. If we pause and say nothing, and we kind of let that filter through, I bet you your kid is is gonna like really think it through and say like, okay, fine, you know, I just don't want to do it right now. <laughs> Because nobody wants to like bathe in a dirty bathtub. That's gross. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but to that point, Lynn, um, it's important to talk about, you know, expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's important to make very clear to, to kids that, it, you know, when you live in a family, you're not truly an individual, right? You're part of a bigger whole. And it's important for kids to feel like they're contributing to the family. And it's important for them to have responsibility. And it's important for those expectations to be very clear. Yes. And for there to be some natural consequences um, that and some limits um, be, because uh, kids need to experience oftentimes a consequence in order to get through resistance. Yes. Yes. Oh, perfect. Oh, that's so good. So um, then the next question comes up with how do I get them to use and practice their new skills? Got it. I will say one more thing about the last question because this is one of the most important things. Sorry to go back, but this sort of answers this too. Um, how do I get my kids to listen to me? Listen first. Listen. Listen first. They're not going to listen to you if they don't perceive that you can really understand them and that you're really listening. And the way to do that 
is to be a mirror and reflect back what you're understanding. This is one of the most important things we're never taught. And like, had I known this earlier, my life would have been a lot less chaotic, right? <laughs> is that um, especially when someone is frustrated or, or, or in a moment and they're emotional and they're riding that emotional wave, you know, what parents need to be able to hold a really safe space for that where they allow their kid to like melt down and, and get it out because they need to get it out. Yes. And so when you're noticing anything from your kid, you know, when they're talking to you, you want to listen first and you want to summarize back to them what you're understanding. It's like, hey, I notice you're really frustrated right now. Here's what I'm getting. Like, you really are angry about this and you didn't think that was fair. Oh, kids like really enjoy when things are fair. Right. And they're really pissed when something doesn't seem fair. So yeah. so we want to validate, you know, how they feel even if we're not agreeing with it. And I think this is really hard for parents and I get it. Like when you hear some your kids saying something that you just, it just goes against your values and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is not how I want to, you know, this is not what we're teaching you. And what if, you know, when you're an adult and if, you know, this is how you're going to be, oh my God, I can't even imagine the consequences, right? So mm -hmm. it's so easy to get lost in that, in that, you know, catastrophizing loop. But if you could just be really, really, really present in the moment and just say, okay, here's what I'm hearing you say. You know, you give your kid a chance to really process what they said, which they're not really doing. They're just kind of impulsively, you know, like unfiltered <laughs> saying right. what it is. So repeat it back to them, give them an opportunity to digest it and process and think like, okay, do I really agree with that? Or or say, no, 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 you're not understanding this. This is what I mean. And you say, oh, this is what you mean. They're like, yes. <laughs> and when you get that, like, oh, when they get to this point where they're like, oh, finally, you get me, right? It doesn't mean you agree with everything. In fact, you probably disagree with 90% of what they're saying. But when they feel understood, when they feel seen, when they feel safe to be authentic, that's when they're going to tell you the truth. And that's when you're going to say, here's my concern. I have a concern about that. My concern is this has negative effect on you and the people around you. And then you pause again. And then you say, do you understand what my concern is? And can you summarize it back to me? That's how you get your kids to listen. You know, otherwise they're, they're, they're like in fight flight or they're just yeah. lying to tell you whatever it is you need to hear so you can get off their back. And that's a nervous system reaction. Yes. Yeah, that's built in. Exactly. We all have it. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, as adults, we're better able to regulate that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Kids. You know, they're just like right here in the present moment. Right, right, right. And and many of our young adults are still there too because of that lagging, um, you know, the lagging development that happened as a from a cascading effect of the brain just not capturing every moment of of learning opportunities. It and it yeah. happens. It happens, and we all get uneven development as well. Right. We all get it. And right. basic learning, which is great. So I just want to emphasize that executive function is is something that we need to directly teach. And it's a learning deficit. It's not like a mental health issue. That's why right. like mental health professionals aren't really trained to deal with the executive function. Um, what did you say after that? Oh, that's when they're authentic. So when kids feel safe, when they know that they could say anything to you and you're not going to react they could be their authentic selves. And that is a deeply seated need that humans have is to be authentic. And the other need kids have is to be connected, right? Is to get right. positive attention. So those are like such core 
human needs that when they when those buckets are full, right, we have enough energy and, and safety to, to function. Um, yeah, that energy management piece, I just find that we really have to pay attention to that. And the safety needs are because they drain if they're if they don't feel safe, the energy just is drained out of the exactly. whole situation. So, yeah, I, I I've seen that. All right. Are we ready for the next one? Oh, my gosh. We're still on the first question. Yes. <laughs> all right. So how do we get them to use all these wonderful things that we're teaching them? Okay. So this really depends on like what age your kid is, right? So um, if, if in the comments you want, like um, if you want to engage with us, I, I welcome you, but I'm curious um, how old are, are your kids for those of you who are here so we can tailor the answers. Um, okay, great. Um, yeah. And so we're, we're, we're also like your audience is young adults, right? Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. can focus on young adults. Um, mm -hmm. So the question is, how do I get them to use and practice new skills? Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you all. So um, I, I really firmly believe that um, parents are the biggest influencers in their kids' lives. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a coach can certainly come in and, and, and do some damage, right? Some good damage. <laughs> um, but as a parent, um, the most important person that we want to learn these skills that we're teaching is not the kid. It's really the parent. And um, as a parent, you can guide, you can guide through this process. Right. So how do I get them to use and practice new skills? Um, you can you can co-regulate. So one way to do it is using the right language and then working with your kid, like learning how the dance goes. And if if you guys are dance partners, you're the leader. Right. And the leader, if you've ever danced, right, is like a little stiff <laughs> and they're kind of pushing and pulling you around and, and you're just going with the flow. Right. So that's very similar to the coaching and, and to parenting where where you're kind of guiding your kid and you, you want to get them to follow along with you and collaborate. And so um, there's something called, you know, assigning roles of competency, for example. And so you can as you're working together, you can say, well, you know, you're doing something that's really difficult. It's a new skill for them and they're way outside their comfort zone and they're they might be like, ooh. And that's a good thing, right? Because you're challenging them. And what you want to do is like, you don't want to challenge them like a, a tyrant. <laughs> you know, like, um, because then they're going to associate like learning that skill with feeling really crappy, right? So mm. first of all, like, let's play, right? New skills, executive function. The best way to, to learn that is through free play. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you this example. Imagine um, one of my neighbor kids, he's like a genius. He will take his parents couch apart and he'll reconfigure it into like yes. 10 different things yes right yes like giant lego pieces that's executive function right that's him self-directing through play mm -hmm. and and creating an image of something and solving problems as he goes and persisting through frustration why because he really freaking wants to Yes. And, so, and so that's where our motivation comes from. Right. And that's what executive literally that's the best way to build executive function and, and learn new skills through play. So if we want to help kids or young adults do this, the, the first principle is like, you know, like, let's play because it's a trial and error game and you need to feel safe enough to to like say, well, I don't know if this is going to work, but, you know, like, let's give it a shot. Um, so use and practice new skills. It's like, 
hey, you've never washed a sink full of dishes before. Um, why don't you stand here and I'll hand off, you know, the dishes and you can dry them, right? And now you're hanging out and you're doing the dishes together and it's a, it's a way to connect. Or maybe they're really grumpy. Mm. And maybe, you know, you just let them stand there and be grumpy. <laughs> and, and because, you know, what we, what we want kids to do is, is to, to figure out how to be strong enough to do the things that are hard, right? And so tolerating boredom, that's a new skill you want your kid to practice, right? Because boredom feels like freaking torture when you have ADHD and you're going to do anything you can to avoid it. So how do you get your kid to, to, to build executive function? Help them be bored, right? Mm -hmm. Limit their use of social media and internet so that they can sit there and, and, and do other things, right? But like, don't just leave them to their own devices, like help them figure out what are two or three activities that they really enjoy and, and kind of scaffold their day a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you want to push them outside their comfort zone. And, and just do it one little tiny bit at a time so it's not too scary. And then each time they try something new and they're like, oh, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we celebrate every little victory. And we celebrate even when like the outcome was not great. We're like, right. well, you, you gave it a really good I shot. Man, and I'm really proud of you. That was really scary. And then like, you did it, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's not BS. Like, that's huge. Yes. Yeah, no, that's not. It's huge. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you segued right into the next question beautifully, which is how do I convince them that the chaos from being outside their comfort zone is worth it? Ah, this is where we get to doodle. <laughs> so first of all, Lynn, when you and I looked at this question, our first reaction was like, you can't convince them. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to talk them into any new no. ideas. You're not going to lecture or, you know, whatever. You can't convince them like by talking. We have to create a series of experiences that give them the, the experience of, of navigating outside their comfort zone, right? So we want to put a little pressure. Um, one way, you know, is you could share your stories, right? That goes a certain way. Uh, but oftentimes, Lynn, doesn't this happen where parents are telling a story or they're saying a comment, but there's an agenda behind it? Yeah, so always. Right. And man, kids are really good at picking up on that. Oh, yeah. They know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, mom. Okay. <laughs> that was, so in the, was the last century. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 21st so, century, mom. Yeah. Or whatever it right, is. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, man, you don't even know how the world works now, right? <laughs> oh, Debbie says she's an agenda queen. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to like, really check in with yourself and, and, and ask yourself, like, am I, do I really have an agenda here? And, and this is my personality type. Like I want to control everything and everyone around me just to feel safe. Right. So I grew up being like this really bossy, aggressive kid in my family. And whenever I noticed something was off, I would just like throw a huge tantrum. I'm one of those. Surprising to know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's model out, um, this is kind of the, the, the topic of the day, right? Like what I wish parents would know and, and getting through chaos, getting through resistance and getting to a higher level of, of functioning, right? So let's map it out. Um, <clears throat> so I'm gonna use my whiteboard. 
So the first thing I want to I want to share is um, is what change does not look like, right? Because we're talking about building new skills, right? So um, oftentimes uh, um, the idea is like, oh, uh, we're going to start working on this, and it's just going to get better because we're working on it, right? So it's when when things don't get better right away, we're questioning like, am I doing the right thing? Um, you know, does this really work? And then sometimes we we give up, right? Because we don't see improvement right away, and then we go back to our old old habits or we get distracted yeah we get distracted it's so easy to get distracted and not keep the focus on that important thing that needs to change exactly and so when we're talking about you know build like building executive function we're, we're really talking about learning learning a new skill right? right and it doesn't look like this like it's not a linear process to learn a new skill it's like oh it just gets better and better and better over time and then i end right. up here that's, you know, if that's your assumption, then you're going to run into a lot of, a lot of trouble. So you want to be really realistic about it. And we could use the example of, you know, how do you help your kid build a new skill? Well, that's like teaching them to play the piano. Yes. You know, it's like, that's going to take a lot of little tiny steps to get to the point where, you know, not only can you read the sheet music, right, but you can also like control the fingers and, 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 and do all that complex, complex stuff. And we know when we're, and so that's what teaching executive function is, right? It's like learning a new instrument. Yeah. Like learning how to read. Yeah. Right. Oh, learning yeah. How to read. Like yeah. if, if this, if, if parents or teachers treated executive function, like reading, they would never expect to like have a conversation with a kid and say, okay, this is what we expect. Okay. And, and like, this is what we want you to do. And then the next morning they wake up and you're like, well, you haven't done it yet. We <laughs> talked about it. You, you said you were going to do it. What's up? It's like, no, dude, they don't have the skills. It's not that they won't do it. It's that they literally can't. It's, it's, they don't, they, they do not have that skill. And, and it's, it takes a lifetime to build the skills, right? Like we're all still learning. I love what Ross Green says when he says unsolved problems is when lagging skills show up. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. So whenever you see chaos, right, mm -hmm. that's like an indication that there's this unsolved problem that we keep happening over and over and over again. And we can't really fix it as it's happening, right? Because by the time it happens, that's way too late. Right. So we have to anticipate that this is going to happen again. And we have to figure out all the things that lead up to that problem. And right. when you go backwards from that, you know, point of explosion or whatever, uh, you will see there's there's like a pattern that leads up to that. And it happens over and over again. So we have to start before it happens the next time. Right. We and and develop ahead. some awareness here. So this is, you know. So one more thing about, about like learning skills, right? Learning executive function skills, just like learning how to swim, learning how to ride a bike, learning how to play the piano. It's complex. It takes, you know, when you're learning the piano, you don't, you don't say like, okay, here's Tchaikovsky's symphony and we're going to play both hands. It's like, no, that's way too big of a step, right? Right. Um, it's like, here's, uh, here's middle C and your thumb goes on middle C, right? Like, Right. That's the basic, that's step one. And then the kid hits the middle C with their thumb and you're like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look how powerful you are. Yeah. <laughs> you made a big no. sound. <laughs> yeah, I love the way they did. We did the Suzuki method with my daughter on viola and it was just wonderful how they broke it down and they would, you know, they would scaffold and then they 
teach, teach, teach. And then they take the scaffolding away. Like they put the tapes on the fret mm -hmm. and that's where they knew where to put them. Well, she doesn't need that anymore. She knows exactly the muscle memory that yes. it's all there, but she needed to be scaffolded up to that point. I never could get the bow grip, right? I tried to learn how to play it and my, my little finger just didn't, but they have a little thing now where you actually set, I mean, it was beautiful. And it was all built. They taught me more about parenting than I learned anywhere else was, was learning from the Suzuki method. It was wonderful. That's brilliant, Lynn. That's brilliant. Yeah. And so yeah. let's let's look at that and say, like, you couldn't have learned that just by watching someone else do it. right? Like, no, no. You had to get in there. I was in there. I was in there trying to play that stringed instrument. The people that can play them are miracle workers. I don't know how, you know, think of it, the amount of repetition. But that's what we're trying. That's what we're expecting our kids to navigate now that they've moved out of school, where mm -hmm. things were pretty defined by them and us, by the school yeah. or us, to young adulthood, which is where they define everything. They decide what they're going to do, when they're going to go, how much money they're going to make, what kind of friends they're going to have. They just—that's a big leap, and that's yeah. why this is such a challenge, moving from schooling to young adulthood. Absolutely. And I mean, gosh, it's a challenge for people who, you know, are neurotypical and right. have an abundance of resources. And I mean, it's still a challenge, right? So um, yeah. my heart really goes out to, to people who, um, who, who really struggle, you know, um, and, and they deserve all the patience and compassion in the world. But that doesn't mean we infantilize. Um, no, it means we, we got to push them to their limit and, and keep them in that territory outside their comfort zone. Right. But right. we want to do that through inspiring, through encouraging. Yeah. So it's like, what's the biggest influence a parent can have on their kid? It's like, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. I am confident that not only are you going to figure this out, but you can tolerate the difficulty. Like I know if you fall, you're going to get back up and I'm here for you. I got your back. Like, yeah. We all need just one person that has our back, ah, yep. yeah, because that fuels us. Yeah, and and uh, you know, if you're raising a young adult, like nobody wants to be told what to do. No, even and if we want to do the thing. <laughs> I know, I know. So what we have to notice is what they want. Yes, that's an important thing to be aware of because that's where we're going to get the most leverage because that's where they're going to invest their time. Exactly. And it, and then it becomes, you know, it's not, why don't you just do this, dude? And then it's like, hey, this is what you want. I'm here to support you. And I'm going to challenge you, right? Because I want you to get that thing. And it's going to be hard. And, and you need to anticipate that this is going to kick your butt. Yep. And then it's going to feel really good. When you're done. Yes. When you've gotten there. Yes. Yeah. But and see, you have more confidence in what you can do. By exactly. Hard thing. Yes. But the problem is, let's look at the problem. The problem is that um, kids with executive dysfunction, they really just live in this present moment. Yeah. And it's really hard for them to do this thing called future thinking. Right. Right. So future thinking is really hard. And this is like where motivation lies is in once you get it done, that's going to be in the future. Right. Right. And that's when you're going to feel like whoa, I can't draw backwards at all. That was supposed to be a happy face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so in the future, there's the gratification, right? And so why does your kid give up so quickly? It's because right now this feels really frustrating. Yes, that's and the word. Like yeah. they can't even imagine themselves getting it in the future, right? Because this ability to think ahead and see yourself in the future, like that's an executive function skill. 
right? And then they, they don't really have episodic memory, right? So they can't really remember a time in the past where they felt this way and, and persevered and got through it. I'm sure there's plenty of times that has happened, but it's really hard for them to access those memories. And in fact, it's a whole lot easier for them to access all the negative times, all the failures they've experienced. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So they're like, man, that's, I'm never going to be able to do this. I may as well give up now because I don't want to try really, really hard and then fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We remember yeah. that. We just do. We just do. Our brain goes to it. it. It has that negative bias where it's looking for what do I need to learn from that, that bad situation so that I don't, you know, die. Right. Um, and so I was a little distracted by um, Eileen's comment, but I think okay. it's a good comment. It's like, what's the balance of compassion and accountability, right? And it's like, well, well, first of all, like, there's no time when there shouldn't be compassion, right? There's always compassion. Um, and there's no time there shouldn't be accountability. There's, so right. there's always compassion and there's always accountability. And I think that's the magic sauce, right? It's, it's, you need both all the time. It's like kids need way more accountability, um, but they also need sometimes more scaffolding. So if uh, missing a doctor's appointment, you know, is, is a recurring problem, it's like, cool, let's look at it, right? Let's look at all the things that have, that lead up to you missing it and let's pick it apart. Let's do that with some compassion. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, obviously you might be frustrated and you lose money, right? There's a consequence, but what's a way that your kid can either pay you back for that, right? Like earn money to pay you or, uh, you know, who scheduled the appointment, right? Um, if you did all the work and scheduled the appointment and then they just have to show up, well, maybe get them involved in that process so that they have more ownership and it's their choice or what system are they missing, right? That's going to help them remember stuff. Three alarms. That's what I, you got to have three of them. You've got to have the phone. You've got to have it, you know, whatever it is, but three ways of remembering your watch. Yes. You need redundancy in your system. Absolutely. 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 Because you, I, you know, you can't rely on the brain because the working memory is like that desktop. It just shuts off. It does. And, and yeah. you know, when kids like mess up, they really feel it. Oh, man, they feel oh, it. Yeah. They know that when they're making a mistake and they feel really bad and they understand like, dude, this is making other people around me really upset. And that I, like, that's a killer, you mm. know, because we want to be competent. Um, and when you hear your kids say like, I don't care, you know, that's like a defense mechanism. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so it's it's complicated. Um, so let's thanks let's model for that. Yeah, thanks, Eileen, for that because that's really good and that's yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. So, and my it was car accidents until she had to pay me back and couldn't mm -hmm. drive the car until she did. We didn't get the learning happening, but it, she did yeah. learn. And yeah. you know, and you can't have a consequence that feels like you know a, ty a tyrannical uh, dictatorship. No like punishing you away from this behavior, like that doesn't work. The, no. the consequence needs to be delivered like with a lot of compassion. And it's like, sorry, dude. This is the way uh, it is. Yeah, I didn't drive to school for a whole semester. But we had that opportunity to talk in the car. So, you mm -hmm. know, I, I didn't, but she didn't have, she couldn't drive anywhere for three months until she earned the money back. And yeah, mm -hmm. it was 
it was a tough, but it worked. Not that she hasn't had other accidents since then, but they're on her insurance, not mine. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, so they, so, so young adults, especially, they want yeah. to feel like they have ownership. Yeah. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So good. All right. Let's go to the next question. Cause we got 20 more minutes and probably um, we've got five, four more questions. Okay. Why don't, can, is it possible to, um, okay. That's a great question. Cause that's exactly where we want to go. Yeah. So moving yeah. through chaos with confidence is the result of what, what thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So that brings up a really interesting question because, you know, um, our thoughts create our emotions, create our actions, right? And Lynn, you talk about this a lot. Yes. So it's like what we're thinking creates what we're feeling. And then we, we, we operate with that framework. Oh, speaking of which, I need to plug in my, my computer. Uh, right now, or else it will die. <laughs> You're welcome, Eileen. Thanks for the for the question. I think it's a really good one, and I love the double answer. You got to have both scaffold uh, the compassion and the accountability. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. And then when they take ownership, right? It's yes. like they can see themselves in the future going to the doctor's appointment yes. because they're setting it up. So the more preparation you do, the more you're preparing yourself in your imagination to do it. And that's where executive function starts. It's in the imagination and the behavior comes from executing that image. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I hear you, Eileen. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It really is. <laughs> yeah. yeah money, you know, and it's just, it's it's not, you know, 50, it's 100 bucks, 200 bucks it can be when you miss an appointment. So, mm -hmm. oh, 75. Ouch. Ouch, Eileen. Oh. Well, that, they, yeah, earn that one back. Come on, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nancy, my adult daughter with ASD mm -hmm. is with emotional dysregulation as is very common. Is there still hope that she can develop stronger executive? Absolutely. We have to believe that this is possible and that we can find our the way that works for them because it's not always going to work the way that it worked for somebody else. It's, yeah. it, we really have to custom create a solution together and try it and see if it works. And when it does, we, uh, we celebrate it. And then when it doesn't, we pivot. Yes, but it can be done. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, I struggle with emotional regulation all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and it, it takes a lot of work and, and it, you know, um, one thing that's important to, you know, to teach young people is, is like uh, to anticipate, that things that when the challenge is coming, like, hey, if you're going into the situation, like not anticipating that it's going to feel really frustrating or difficult or emotionally, you know, maybe scary, even, you know, front loading that like getting stealing yourself for it and anticipating it is like one of the best ways to get in there. Uh, because what 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 we all need to learn as we grow is like, we're way stronger than we know. We're mm. way stronger than we know. Like you're way more powerful than you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Right. And you don't even, you don't even know what you're capable of. Right. Right. And so we have to firmly dig into that and believe it and, and understand that like we, we can tolerate emotional distress. Yes, we can. Yes. That's why I love your emails, Lynn, because <laughs> some mornings I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. 
I'm just so anxious sometimes in the morning. I do not want to get out of bed. You know, it's really hard some days, but I'll, I'll grab my phone and, I'll, and if it's a Thursday morning and it's a Lynn email morning, then <laughs> something in there like will, will, will spark and I'll say, you oh, know what? Yeah. yeah, I feel crappy. And also like. <laughs> and it's okay. As you say, you know, acceptance piece. Yes. 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 And waking uh, up every morning with anxiety, I think is a characteristic um, many of our, our adult, uh, young adults, many of them, they just wake up right. and they're just, you know, worried about what's going to happen next. Yeah. And you know what? That's a legitimate worry. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Life is hard, man. <laughs> yes. And especially when you're trying to do something new, like decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. I mean, that just blows. Whenever I, you know, whenever we would bring that up, the, the way you could just see the wave of anxiety pour over my daughter's head. It was like, she would just go, I can't even, you know, we were talking about what major do you want to have in, mm -hmm. I can't even think it was just, whoa. And we had to just say, okay, wait a second here. We're going to slow this way down and we're going to break it apart. Let's look at a list of classes and you decide which one looks most interesting to you. Mm. And that's where we started. And she's taken several courses in psychology. And that is the thing she's, she's really, and she liked the professor and that matters <laughs> too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she found a professor and she just followed that professor through all the courses that they taught. So, but the slowing it down and breaking it down is what really, really helps with that anxiety. Yeah. And so, so like if the first, you know, so there's this great quote, like um, if, if they're overwhelmed, that means the first step is like too big, right? Too big. So like, so yeah. break it down. So it's like, so some of the language is like, well, okay, so that's too hard. Would you be willing to do this? Yes. Like, would you be willing to, like, if they can't write an essay, you know, would you be willing to write a paragraph? No. Okay. Well, what about like a sentence? Ah, what about like one word? Okay. <laughs> and so we pull back and we meet them where they are and then we walk together forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point they're, you know, like they can, they can move on without mm -hmm. us once they've developed the confidence and competency in that skill area. Right. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about chaos. Okay. Uh, and we, I know we have about 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, so um, Virginia Satir is uh, somebody who um, developed, she was basically the first family therapist, and she wrote a lot of the initial literature, and she, her, her core belief was that everybody can learn, everybody, no matter what, no matter what your situation, no matter where you are right now, if you um, understand this process of, of, of how to learn and, and how change happens, how transformation happens, right? Because that's really what we want. Um, uh, then you will be able to navigate this uh, with more certainty. And, and we're all navigating uncertainty and ambiguity. That's what mm -hmm. chaos is. Mm -hmm. And so if we can zoom out and see the big picture, um, it really helps us to be in the chaos and not freak out. Yeah. Right? Because chaos doesn't mean... Um, you know, that like everything's going wrong and it's catastrophe. Chaos is, is good. Yes. Chaos is good. So what does that look like? So we already said what it doesn't look like, right? It doesn't look like that straight shot up. Um, so what does learning a new skill actually look like? And that, and this is what it looks like. <clears throat> it looks like this curve. Okay. 
And so I'm just going to build on top of this so we keep getting more and more understanding. So there's, um, there's a y-axis and an x-axis, right? And the y-axis is productivity. Mm. And the x-axis is time. So when we look at the change curve, and I'll label it because my math teachers always said, don't forget to label your, your graphs. Okay. So this is the change curve. So what do you notice when, you know, when you're starting out is that you you don't climb, you know, this way that you dip down first and then you go up. Um, and I was thinking, Lynn, about this uh, when I, as I was falling asleep last night and I thought, this kind of looks like a swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a diving board right there. Yeah. <laughs> And you were like supposed to jump into the water and then like swim through and then climb up, gosh, climb up the wall. <laughs> like, I like that analogy. Yeah, I like that too, because that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. And, and imagine, you know, you're starting in your comfort zone. Right. So all of us, all of us experience this model all the time. Um, so. And I hope this answers the other questions, right? Because questions are just like, they all fit into this model here. So we all are in our comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so we start in a comfort zone and we have to, we want to get up here, right? So this is a new skill. And so when we're in our comfort zone, leaving that comfort zone feels scary, right? Yes. And, and yes. the first the first thing we come up against is is resistance like that's built into the into the equation so if you if you want change or a new skill then you better anticipate some resistance right because that's our right. brain trying to protect us and saying like no 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 no, no. that's yeah. scary yeah right um i just want to read here consequence for misappointment half session okay I get that response. I get that. And when they're not physically around you, it is harder. Yes, it is harder. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to try to rush through this real quick. So usually something disrupts us out of our comfort zone, right? And this right. is called a foreign element. So sometimes it's like this, this, um, you know, our comfort zone doesn't, isn't so comfortable all the time because whatever patterns that are keeping us in our comfort zone, they're, they're usually leading to some pain, but we're willing to tolerate that pain because at least that's predictable, right? right. Well, at least that's predictable, but then something usually happens. Uh, now let's say this external pressure that's taking you out of your comfort zone is, uh, is a new expectation, mm. right? Or a new responsibility or, or you know, and, and you realize I can no longer stay in the comfort zone. Okay. So this process kind of happens automatically when, when there's a disruption to our comfort zone and we necessarily, we face resistance. Cause imagine you're standing here on the diving board and like, how deep is that pool anyway? Mm -hmm. uh, and how good of a swimmer am I? And then once I swim, I have to climb up this wall to, to get to the other side. That's scary. Right. Um, so you know, how do you navigate resistance, right? You will first, you want to face it. Like if yes. there's a scary monster standing in your way, right? You, 
you have to be able to look at it. And, and so I experienced this the other day where I was just really, really struggling. And I realized like there's something I was doing that was really causing me a lot of pain and I needed to change that. And that was terrifying. And, yeah. and for a couple of days, I was very dysregulated. And, and um, luckily I have like really good friends and a support team. Right. So, um, so I was able to say like, Hey, I need your help. Oh, good. Yeah. Right. Like we need to feel safe in order to take this big of a risk, right? So the environment within which change happens has to be a positive environment. We have to feel like we have somebody who can help us and that it's okay, like, you know, that they're gonna be here with us, that we can, like, I just wanna emphasize, like, we're not individuals. <laughs> like, no. we're connected to each other and we need each other and we need to be able to ask for help. And like, that's one of the most important skills we can develop. And the relationships we have are the ones that are going to guide us through the chaos, man, because you try doing this on your own, like, you know, so that's actually, I'm glad you did that. Cause like, how do we help them persist? It's like, we're here, we're here in the chaos, but we're also, we're not them. So we have to step back and allow them to experience that. Right. And so as soon as actually, as soon as this disruptor happens to your comfort zone, you're in chaos, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because now you're in uncharted territory and Mm -hmm. uh your brain the resistance is like don't go don't go oh so good yes right yes so once you're in chaos now um you know like this is really scary and your productivity is going to dip down yeah and and this is where where parents or teachers might get scared it's like well you have like 20 missing assignments (laughs) Uh, you know, and, and that's proof, right? That this is a catastrophe and we have to, you know, like solve the problem immediately. Right. Right. But it's like, mm, no, we have to, we have to let, you know, the person experience chaos and develop resiliency. Yes. And the way we do that is like, Hey man, I see you're really struggling. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and and let them because if we can tolerate chaos right if we can help them to tolerate chaos we get to this beautiful moment here where um there's a new idea right 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 a new idea new skill right new, new skill, skill developing well, the yeah. Skill, yeah the skill is just it's really just the idea because you're like oh yeah you know, um, I really need a calendar to help me organize my Mm. my day because, you know, and over here, the parents like, well, you need a calendar because you need a calendar, you need a calendar. And it's like, well, (laughs) once you get through this chaos and you suffer that consequence, like, man, now you're like, yeah, I really need a new calendar, right? Mm -hmm. I need a process here. Yeah. I need to set those alarms. I need to have some, a reminder on my you know, a sticky note on the wind, on the mirror in the morning in the bathroom. Yeah. I have an appointment. Now, if, if your mom is telling you to do that and you're a young adult, you'd be like, get out of my face, mom. I'm not doing that. Like, right. tell me what to do. But if they can come to that idea on their own and, and the language we can use here is like, hey, man, I noticed you're really struggling. What's up? Right. Mm-hmm. And then what do you think you can do a little differently next time? To, to avoid that pain mm-hmm. and wonder, pause and let them really think that through. I wonder what would work better. Yeah, I wonder what would work. Yeah. And dude, they'll come up with some fantastic yes. ideas. Yes. 
the out-of-box thinkers can come up with amazing ideas. Way better than us. Way better. And as a coach, you know, the tough part is like, I can't just give you a new system and say, hey, this is what I use, right? Because I had to figure out what works for me. Mm -hmm. And so now we get to this, okay, we have a new idea. And by the way, when we allow this process to happen, like this is all happening subconsciously. This is like your body is doing the work for you. Like your emotions kick in when something's wrong and like that doesn't feel good. And I don't want to feel this way anymore. And so like you're, you're automatically seeking out solutions. Uh, But what do you need in that moment is someone to say like, Hey man, I, I, you are struggling and, and you are strong and you can get through it. I got your back. Let me know how I can support you. I wonder, you know, what it is that you're doing or like, I'm here to help. So let's be collaborative partners here. Yes. I'm, I'm a consultant, right? Now, the, the relationship is really important, right? Because like, if, if you're a kid and you have this dynamic where you've been arguing every day for like three years, hmm. this is going to take some time to repair. Yeah. So yeah. you, you have to constantly be repairing. And so part of the language is like, hey, man, yesterday I got so frustrated when you missed yeah. your doctor's appointment. I really blew up at you and you did not deserve that. Like that was me not being able to manage my own emotions. And right. that is not how I want to be with you. Like, you know, I, I want to make sure like you feel safe to talk to me. And I'm working really hard on that. Right. So you're modeling self-reflection you're modeling repair you're modeling ownership you're modeling communication and you're repairing the relationship you're modeling that the struggle's okay that we can get the struggle and the struggle is how we grow yeah and I I love it when I share that with my son we take our walks um when it gets warmer and you know when I blow it I say I blew it and he said that's okay mom I know you're doing your best it's just too cute (laughs) I love that and and so you know, when I was freaking out and I called my friend and we did all this like inner critic work because we all have really loud inner critics, by the way, oh, that's yeah. like most of our resistance is just our inner critic, like yelling in our heads really loud. Right. Like you like you're dude, you think you could do this? Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not smart enough to do that. You better stay in your comfort zone. Right. right. So. um, So, yeah, like that's hard. And so when I was talking to my friend, I said, well, you know what? Thank you so much. Like now I guess I just have to figure out what the solution is. And he said something so profound. And he said, you don't even have to figure out what the solution is. Right. Just give yourself some self-compassion right now. Right. And, and, and just, just love that part of you that's, that's like broken or whatever and just accept it. And, and the yeah. ideas, man, they're going to come. And he was so right yep and so the most important thing when we're navigating chaos right is is we need an environment that is safe and the parents create that environment without that we 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 go back into our old habits we stay in the status quo you know it's not a guarantee that we're all going to make it up here and oftentimes like you know what does this model really look like it looks like this like like man it's really chaotic because it, it like goes all over the place. Yeah. You know? so yeah. We're constantly going up and down. And then some of us, like we stay in our comfort zone, this status quo, because we didn't really learn that lesson and integrate the new skill. But if we can get to the point where we have a new idea and then we can practice the new idea, this is trial and error. This is where you're going to be kicking your butt. You're going to be climbing up the wall, but every step 
right? Every step has an exponential return at this point. It's yeah. an exponential function. Yeah, so every that. one step, I get like two, two things up or three things up. And then it yeah. gets more and more and more and more until I reach my new comfort zone. And this is a, a new level of competency. This means like this thing that used to be really hard back here, it now feels easier. And now I don't have to put so much effort into doing this one thing. And now I feel proud and competent that I learned and this used to be hard and now it's better. Yep. I could do the next thing. And so change is a constant and it goes up and up and up and up. And we develop skills baby step by baby step. Yep. Okay. Yep. That incrementality is really, yeah, that is such a great summary of what we've all been experiencing with our autistic young adults. And in my own life, I experience yes. this all the time. And so it's good to be aware of me experiencing it so that when I look at them, I can see myself in them and I have even more compassion for both of us. Exactly. Exactly. And I want to say, you know, that this can happen in 30 seconds. Yes. Yeah, you so get like, clarity. Yes. Like I'm I'm watching TV and I'm exhausted and I remember, oh crap, I have dishes to wash. And I'm feeling resistance, like but I'm thinking ahead to the future and I'm thinking to myself, you're not gonna wake wanna wake up tomorrow morning and have that sink dirty because you're anxious in the morning and you're groggy and, and mornings don't feel great and you're gonna really be angry at your night self for right. not washing the damn dishes. And so that's my that's my brain coach, you know, telling me, hey, the future is this. And remember last time when you were feeling the same and you came up and you thought like, there's no way I was going to get through this. But then like the 30 seconds after you started, you just went with it. Yeah. You know, because you've built like this routine and like if the hardest part is getting started, then then that's where you want to coach yourself and say like, well, it's only going to suck for like a minute and then it'll be great. And then I want to feel so good that I did that. It's only going to suck for a minute. I'm going to use that one tonight when it's time to do the dishes. <laughs> it's only going to suck for a minute. It's only going to suck for a few minutes. Yeah, get going. <laughs> right? I love that. Oh, I love this whole thing. Thank you so much, Yulia. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. So helpful. I love your language around all of this. I can totally identify with the people, you know, the comments and um, and I, this whole experience was so reinforcing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I will, um, I'll I'll be um, transcribing this. Yes, <laughs> transcribing this and making it available to everyone as well. So um, we, you know, we can go back and grab some of those great phrases that Yulia uses. <laughs> Like, it's gonna suck, but only a few minutes. <laughs> and that um, we can use with our autistic young adults and have that sense of humor that makes it fun for them yeah. to get through this chaos. And I, you know, that's really a lesson for me because I'm not very good at making things fun. So, I mean, maybe that's my own self coaching right there is that I gotta find the fun in it. And yeah, uh, yeah I so appreciate it. Love that. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to come back here anytime. Oh, you'll be invited. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, everybody. I guess we're um, Yulia can be found at mindfuleducation.com, and mindful has two L's. Mindfuleducation.com. So thank you again, Yulia, and um, yeah, I'm going to take you up on that. Come back My again. Pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you, Lynn. So good. Bye for now. Bye.